Welcome to the Exarbon Mortgage Podcast, hosted by John Mortgage Major, powered by Verley. This is where we interview top mortgage, real estate professionals, industry insiders, operational managers, and thought leaders from around the nation, diving into hot current topics to help you experience your good life. The Paul Worth. Welcome. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, that's my handle. You know, I got that handle just recently when I became the Builder Trend Evangelist. I had to kind of like reshift my social media, according to our marketing team. I like it. It's a little weird to say, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> be Paul Worth. But, you know, maybe in a few years it'll it'll mean something. Hey, exactly. I mean, you, you took the leap and now you're the Paul Worth. Yeah, so. I guess. Happy to be here. Thanks yeah. for having me. Do we, we go back. Mm-hmm. You know, not that we need to go into those details, but we we've known each other for what, at least five years, five, yeah. 10. Yep. But enough there. So you, let's give the audience a little uh, taste of, of Paul's history with Builder Trend because Builder sure. Trend's been around since what, 06? Yeah. Builder Trend's a, a local company started here in Omaha, Nebraska, 06. Okay. So we basically provide a project management software. At least that's how we started for the construction mm-hmm. industry. So 2006, three individuals who are all, you know, my friends and a brother of one of my friends started Builder Trim. The two brothers, Steve and Jeff Duggar, had their own business building computers and websites. They actually built physical computers, but mainly websites for different company custom applications. Mm. Uh, and Dan uh, Houghton, who's a third founder, was in insurance. So it was he was selling web-based insurance. That's what they called what people refer to now as SaaS, software as a service. They called sure. it web-based. So he was, he was selling web-based insurance to small independent insurance companies or agencies. And they had always gotten around and, and thought about ideas. Enough construction companies here locally had come to the brothers and said, hey, we'd like you to build us a website. We'd like you to do this and this in the website. And they sort of had this idea that if enough people here in our small market of Omaha needed something on their website to collaborate better in construction, then maybe a lot of other people need it. That was really the, the ethos of Builder Trend mm. and the idea. So they started in June of 2006. Uh, I've known all of these individuals, and they called me up and offered me to be the first employee. So I became the Boom. VP of sales. Yeah. Did you have to think twice about that one, or were you like, Well, yeah. I was, I was married at the time. Mm-hmm. I had a daughter who was less than a year old, uh, and they, we, I was 25. I was a little ahead of the game. So they, they didn't have as much. And many people our age didn't, or I think I was the only married person. So that definitely uh, gave me some pause because I had to really kind of think about people besides myself. Uh, but I had always been interested in doing something outside the norm. So I was working at a, a great company here in Omaha uh, that does workers' comp insurance. And I was in a sales position. I was doing fairly well. So I had enough confidence to think that I'll figure this out, which there was a lot to figure out for sure. Oh, I bet. I bet. Yeah. We started out of their basement. The brothers had a house together. Um, and, you know, that was short-lived. We were there for a couple of months. Uh, no, a couple of weeks. Moved into an office, hired our second employee beginning of December, and just sort of worked from there. We are what is referred to as a bootstrap company. So there was no... I mean, this was... So 14 years ago, the, this idea about like startups, venture capital, it really didn't exist back then. So they really weren't like shopping this idea around to go get money to fund it. They were actually working off the sales that we brought in mm-hmm. was the working capital they had. 
for rent, for salaries and things like that. So we slowly grew the business, a couple employees every probably six months. So we're um, able to scale nearly as fast as maybe you are now because of that issue. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, you know, we can get to where we are now today. Um, this is, you know, like I said, 14 years later, we have 550 employees. We've got a huge office. We've got 16,000 clients across the United States and the globe. But that all sort of started snowballing four or five years into our, into our, uh, I guess, life cycle as a company. Mm-hmm. At first, it was just the original five or 10 employees. And it's a bit of a grind, which I think it is for everybody. Right. And the reason that is, is that we were two difficult things. So first of all, we had a technology for construction industry. Okay. Out of like the top 11 industries in the world talk about like healthcare and different things like that. Mm-hmm. Construction real estate is the second lowest adopted technology, maybe behind like agriculture or something like that. So old school, old school and small businesses too. So we're not talking about like huge enterprise sales. We're talking about one, twos, a guy who's had his business, a gal who's had her business for 30 years, not really interested in changing. On top of that, the computers we have in our pockets today didn't even exist. So smartphones didn't exist. So we were trying to sell a internet-based technology to an industry that was against technology for the most part. Also an industry that spends 50% of their time in the field Hmm. with no access to internet in the field. So you can see there was some battle. Yeah, there was a definitely uphill battle, but it was something we believed in. Right. Because there are some intrinsic issues with construction, okay? Construction, if we just take a general new home, there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of people who are involved. So you've got the general contractor, right? Joe's Homes. He's got employees. They've got to all communicate about what's going on in every job. Most construction companies do multiple jobs at once. So if we're building four homes at once, we've got five employees. That alone, we've got to make sure we all know where everybody's at and where the progress is in those four homes. On top of that, each one of those homes has 25 to 40 subcontractors that we are coordinating to deliver material, order order material, deliver material, install the material, and give us progress updates on what's going on. On top of that, the person who we're building the home for is paying the bills, needs to be aware of what's going on the whole time. So previous to Builder Trend and products like ours, you are doing all of that on phone calls and whiteboards and pieces of paper. So everyone's just walking blind unless they got a call. <laughs> yeah. Or they stop by the job site, right, which is, you know, in is interrupting in the, in the progress of the job site. It's also a safety issue. If you're walking job sites with you and your wife and your kids without being announced. And so, you know, we felt good about the product because it solved a lot of pretty obvious issues. Um, but there was some, some barriers for us to, to get that across to people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we learned, you know, we worked really hard. We made a lot of outbound phone calls, still do today. Um, and, you know, the, once the iPhone or the mobile phones came out, the game really changed for us because we were able to sort of mentally get them to click, to say, look, why would you, if you're in the field, why would you run back to your office to double check a physical plan which is 30 minutes that way and 30 minutes back when you can just pull it up on your phone. If you just put all the documents of this job into our application, you and everybody else can just have them. So you'll save that phone call. You'll save that trip. And that's one of like 22 features we had at that time that would sort of like 
put everything in one place. And I think the mobile phone sort of made people understand like the connection between the office and the field, which was a big game changer for us. Right. Well, and I'm sure too with um, just like many other fields, this pandemic that we've been through with, you know, technology at the forefront Mm -hmm. is, is crucial to move the needle in whatever industry you're in to an extent, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think that what a lot of people are saying, which I believe is true, is that the pandemic has sort of uh, been something that pushed people. Yeah. Okay. A lot of companies understood that, you know, you need to have some way to, to communicate or collaborate or document, you know, outside of physical pieces of paper and phone calls, right? Like that's pretty obvious. We have things like, you know, DocuSign, people have been pretty pretty good in getting into where you're doing electronic signatures yep, we use that as well yeah, in mortgage and real estate um you've got people who are doing like slack was becoming really big which is a way to communicate like a chat um there are a lot of project management tools out there like monday.com are getting used um but fully uh immersing your your company into a remote workforce or really making everybody do it was the push the pandemic gave people mm-hmm. like it was on the way but, you know, we had been using Zoom for three years. It was our uh, platform of choice because our business is all built in Omaha, Nebraska. So depending on who you speak to, there's close to 100,000 small to medium-sized custom home builders or modelers in the United States. Some people say it's more than that. Some people say it's a little bit less. It just really depends. You add Canada, there's another 20 or 30,000. Uh, you add Australia, New Zealand, there's another probably 10 or 15,000. That's kind of our target market but we don't physically exist in those places. From the day one, we make calls to those places, and I can get into our KPIs because they're pretty straightforward, but we have make calls to those places, and we get the decision makers on the phone of Joe's Construction Company or you know, a Cascade Custom Homes, and we say, look, here's this thing we got for you. Give us 20 minutes, let it show it to you. And then we would show it to them through a screen share. Mm-hmm. So we would use Zoom and say, here's the link. And that was difficult to get people on you know, 10 or 15 years Initially. ago, just that. Um, but we'd say, here, here's a link. We're going to show you my screen. Here's a picture of what your life could be. And so Zoom was something that we already had 300 people on. But I would say the average person didn't know what Zoom was until the pandemic, right? Now it's completely. Now it's a verb, yeah. right, that we use. It is. You know, or, or I don't know, maybe that'd be probably a verb, right? <laughs> Did you Zoom well, today? Yeah. The Paul Worth knows it's yeah. a verb, yeah. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, it, it, you know, things like that, you know, things existed, Um but there wasn't a real need. Like right. you didn't have to work remotely. An employer probably didn't want their employees to because they were worried about being able to track them. Well, now that you have to work remotely as an employer, you better get some systems in place to hold some accountability there or you are flying blind. Right. So, And Zoom can be a great way of doing that yeah. too. I mean, you know, our operational staff, they felt more comfortable working from home and we're okay with that because yeah. Zoom still allows them that, that communication piece mm-hmm. so that they're all on the same page. Yeah. Which is yeah. And, and a CRM too. Like, you know, one of the things, so, so I had been at builder trend in the capacity of a salesperson, obviously in the, in the beginning years. Uh, and then myself and our current CRO, Josh Kaiser, um, he became uh, sort of the vice president of business development. I was vice president of sales and we had come together and built what our sales team is today. So previous to that, and this was probably five, four or five years ago, we had our original five salespeople and maybe two or three, what we call BDRs, right? 
And so essentially that is somebody who makes calls to the market construction companies and says, Hey, here's, this is builder trend. We want to show you what we have to offer at that time. Every single salesperson handled leads differently, you know, had different philosophies of how many times they should call somebody possibly, um, had different ways of when they actually did the demo, doing the demo, uh, and selling. And Josh, to his credit, is really somebody who says the way you scale something is you have systems and you have one way of doing it's things. Like McDonald's, baby. That's right. If you have one way of doing things, one way of uh, how you write an email for a cold, one cold script for how you call somebody, one process of how many times you call before you give up, and then one way to do a demo and one way to close, that's your starting point. Because then if everybody's doing it the same way and we see a common issue with the close or you adjust the playbook, right? But you can't adjust a playbook when everybody has seven different playbooks, right? So I think some people uh, in sales are afraid to system systematize their sales because they go, well, I don't want a bunch of robots doing a script or I don't want uh, uh, my, my team won't do that because they think they're talented and we're not saying that they should be robots or you, you're not talented, but you can't create a system and make that system your own unless you have a system, right? It doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, and so essentially we had realized and I agreed that that's the way to do it. And so from that point on, um, you know, my role inside of our sale, building our sales organization was to write all of the scripts. And so I got, I got really comfortable with, I don't know if I got good at it, but we, it was successful at writing. It's hard to take your, your, like the way you speak and put it on paper. Mm. And that translates to people because it's not the same thing, right? You, you've got to write in a way that is sort of like, you know, it's, it's kind of a quasi mix behind like normal English and like, you know, yeah. what you say. That's so, where even just being like, hey, Siri, and even talking out loud to where yeah. you take your words. But That's actually a good idea. It didn't even exist back then, but that's a good, yeah. good idea. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like on Microsoft Word doing that. Sure. Um, but so we would write scripts for, the, for um, you know, the outbound people. We would write scripts for, we spent a lot of money on, you know, Google ads and, and, and lead gen. So when we got, we got leads in, we'd write scripts for that. But I think the the thing that we realized was was probably the game changer for us against everybody else out there is uh, not our scripts, but how we followed up. Like we would call people, and it would and you we would just work harder than everybody else. Right. Like we would call until you told us no. And a lot of people say that, but it's like not many people actually make thirty calls in forty five days to somebody mm -hmm. until they say no. Most people give up after a few phone calls. Uh, but not our team. At least that's not what we set it up to be. So there was a lot of just effort out there. I mean, effort on top of a system of saying, hey, this is how you do it. And I guess my point being with remote is those phone calls are scheduled for our reps so that the people that are that are overseeing them would see whether they did their task every day or not. And so that was already implemented in a builder trend before we even moved to work remote. So working remote for us was really just about making sure our people felt good. I mean, working in an office like Builder Trend was, so that's like five, we have 550 people. You've been there, right? Yep. Yeah, you've been there a couple of times where we got a bar, it's open. Right. A lot of Feel our people. culture. Yeah, a lot of people just love being there. You know, they they might start there and have not known anybody at Builder Trend and in, in, in a few short months, they've got a roommate, 
who works there mm. and their entire friend circle is people who they're on their team or that they know from builder trend. So I'd say more than anything else, working from home, that was probably the biggest or hardest transition for us because that's a big part of who we were and who our employees were too. Um, so I think what our managers did a great job of was checking in on the mental health of our, our people, making sure that they felt good, safe, and like they they felt confident what they were doing still from their own house. Very interesting. Yeah. So to kind of give the audience a, a feel for Exarban Mortgage, I feel like we're we're in the the 2007. Yeah. Um, granted, now we have the capabilities that you didn't necessarily have mm-hmm. to this extent. What do you think the biggest challenge was as far as implementing? Because we're we are going nationwide and a consumer direct type of division will exist. What was the would you say the playbook not having that was probably the most difficult piece just because you can't replace a Paul Worth, you know, just talent. But if you have the infrastructure and the systems with the resources, it kind of changes. Yeah, I think that we, you know, in technology, they talk about a lot of terms like product market fit and things like that. I don't think that we it was holding us back not to have that script. I think at the time where we said, okay, it's time for us to add fuel to the fire, add bodies to the sales team and ask ourselves, how do we do that to your point without, you know, hoping that we get a bunch of rock stars or micromanaging everybody instead of just micromanaging or managing a system. We, we just thought, how do we scale that? And, and, you know, at the end of the day, Josh Kaiser, who's now our CRO, he had come from a place that scaled. And so it was, it was sort of like a hybrid of what he came with and a lot of the content and, and the actions I was doing. So I would say that once the market was ready for it, we quickly came together and said, this is how we want to scale it. Um, so I mean, the biggest challenge right now is, I guess, trying to find your fit and like where your perfect sort of market is. And then once you sort of find that, and that takes years, I think, for a lot of companies, uh, and you grow sm- slowly. But once you find, I think, maybe what you're great at or, or the people that really want to hear from you, whether it's a demographic, an age, uh, you know, I don't regionally, maybe. And then once you know and you want to scale it, scaling is easy if you, you know, sort of follow those those systems. Right. Yeah. Shotgun approach versus rifle approach is mm-hmm. certainly yeah. quite a bit different. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. So to the young professionals out there that are in the sales arena considering, uh, you know, gosh, do I, do I want to work for a company like Builder Trend or Exarban Mortgage or you know, um, whatever it may be out there, what, um, what do you see in the younger generation that they need to have that makes them a huge asset? Yeah. I mean, so I think sales breaks down to, and this is my experience and I didn't coin this phrase, but it's something that we preach sales breaks down to effort attitude. And I don't know if you can curse on this podcast, but give a shit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we're good. That seems like pretty obvious stuff, um, but when you actually break down, you said give a shit, give a shit, yeah. yeah. So when you break down, actually care, yeah, actually care, yeah, some tenacity, um, some action behind your words, maybe. Uh, when you actually break it down, I think it's really that simple. Now that you've got to have systems in place for those three things to only be the things that matter, right? Like you don't want to throw somebody, no matter what the industry is as an owner of a business or a manager, a sales manager, 
if you just throw somebody in and say sink or swim, they're always going to sink yeah. unless there's some sort of rock star or they're cheating the system. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Okay. It's your job to really give them a place to, if they bring effort, if they work their ass off every day, if they have a great positive attitude, which is super important in sales, because mm-hmm. you're going to get a lot of no's. And if you actually truly give a shit about what you do or the mission behind Exarbor Mortgage, well, then you're going to succeed with the right systems in place. You may not succeed right away, but if you don't succeed, that means that you got the wrong systems in place. Because those are the three things a salesperson needs. I would also say that most salespeople, and that's not even people this day and age. I mean, it's probably since time immemorial, uh, they don't work hard enough. Right. That's just it. And that's a blanket statement as well. But let me get really specific then. A lot of people think, you know, work smarter, uh, not harder uh, is like, yeah, only idiots, you know, work, make 100 calls a day. Well, that could be true if you're getting a ton of leads, right? And you actually know what you're looking for. And then when you actually do take the leads, you actually nurture them correctly and work your ass off on them. But typically people who say not, don't work hard, work smarter, smarter, don't work harder are really just getting lucky with, with leads. That's all they're doing. Uh, if they succeed at all, I, I would, I would guarantee you, if you did this 10 times out of 10, take 10 individuals, give them all 10 leads each. The person that makes more phone calls and more outreach and more touch points and has a system and doesn't forget one day and has a purpose behind every call and says, I'm not going to pitch somebody on that call. I'm going to set a demo. Then on a demo, I'm not going to wing it. I'm going to have a demo that I rehearse. That person is going to win a hundred times out of a hundred. That's a guarantee mm-hmm. because people hate getting, uh, getting phone calls, but it's effective. If you pursue them enough or email them enough with some actual uh, intentionality, you're going to get yeah. their attention and you're going to say, Oh God, this, this kid really does want my attention here. I'll give you 10 minutes. Well, the second level is, is that when you get 10 minutes, you can't just go in there uh, and not have a plan. A product demo is a performance. Do, do people put on performances without rehearsing? No. So anytime you get a chance to pitch your product, whether that's uh, why you should go with Exarba Mortgage or why you should build a trend, you better, you better have that thing fucking dialed in and rehearsed mm-hmm. like it's a play that you might have done at West Side High School, right? Like, nope. otherwise, you're wasting Repetition. everybody's time. Absolutely. You're wasting everybody's time. Yeah, why'd you even get to this point right. if you can't deliver? Right. So I think people who have intentionality behind what they do, uh, people who actually walk the walk instead of just say, I want to make a million dollars. Well, great. Everybody wants to make a million dollars in sales, but it doesn't just get handled to them. Yep. So, you know, how are you going to do to get there to your first 10,000? And then, you know, how, what are you going to do to get to the next? Yep. You got to work your ass off. Yeah, you do. And it certainly helps if you have a roadmap for success. I mm-hmm. mean, if you're on an island on your own, and I've been in that position mm-hmm. um, before, and it's not a good feel. because You don't even know where to go. Mm-hmm. And how can you showcase your talent mm-hmm. if you're shooting from the hip all the time? Because mm-hmm. as you mentioned, the play is not going to go well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I definitely feel for people who are kind of on an island that, and I think you do a pretty good job of that is just like, you got to read books, right? Like you got to look yeah. at people who have done it well. Uh, there's so many handful of books that are out there for your personal growth, but also sales and stuff like that. LinkedIn is a, is a mo- monster these days. I mean, if I was in sales starting today, I would be all over LinkedIn. I would be talking, I would make sure my profile is perfect. 
I might even spend money on LinkedIn. I don't know what it is, 10, 15, $20 a month. It's still pretty cheap, I think. I mean, at the end of the day, it may be the cheapest Rolodex and ability to build your personal brand in the world. I think LinkedIn is probably the most untapped place for sales professionals because it's pretty easy to follow the right people. And once you, it's just like YouTube, when you ever like scroll YouTube, like they just serve you up after you follow your first three people, they serve you up everybody else you should be following. You follow them all, you comment on them all. And then there's this interaction and you're building your brand. You're learning so much from everybody. They'll, they'll serve you books, you know, how to, how to succeed in sales, like how to build your LinkedIn profile. It's, it's a wealth. Yeah. It's crazy. I was like, well, why are they giving all of their secrets away? I mean, they're literally, I mean, guys that have done it all, it seems are just providing that playbook. Um, and it's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's a shift I've seen as well. So there's a huge shift in you know, what I probably every profession, but I, I've seen it in you know construction because you know construction is a is a monster of an industry. Um, there's some many great custom home builders from modelers uh, who have huge followings on social media. Uh, and it, it and when I started in construction, the what 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 people were afraid of who ran their own business was secrets, trade secrets. Like I don't want to tell this other guy over here how I do my estimating or how I uh, negotiate with my subs and vendors because then he'll steal it and he'll steal my, you know, my clients. And I think that has made a shift. And I think so is like professionals. I think what people understand is that I'll give you everything and then you'll see me as an expert and I'll still out execute you because execution is the key. I mean, you've got to be able to, to, to do it, not just talk about it. Right. So, and even if they execute, they're probably not going as fast yeah. and efficient Correct. as you are. Yeah. Yeah. Kobe Bryant, can't remember exactly how it went, but he always mentioned, he's like, I'm going to get there before you. I'm going to be there after you leave. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're doing all the same things. I'm just going to be so that so much further ahead than mm-hmm. you because I'm going that hard. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a mentality. Yeah. Mamba mentality. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, man, awesome hearing your uh, perspective on mindset, building different trends that truly are making a difference in, I mean, the world. Yeah. Because you guys are worldwide. And yeah. Well, there's a lot of people behind it besides me now. So I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just a brand just evangelist. A so I just talk about how great everybody else is, which is true. It. So we've got a great team over there. Hey, that's what it's all about. So thanks again for coming on, Paul. The Paul Worth. Where can we find you online? Uh, Instagram, the Paul Worth, uh, LinkedIn. I think it's the same. I think they just added all of it. So follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn. Oh yeah. Do it. All right. Thanks again, Paul. Thanks, Sean.